Brewed in the Northwest, guaranteed fresh. It's the Morning Blend with David and Brenda, a dynamic duo who share the joy of the Catholic faith through catechesis and conversation on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Mater Day Radio. And a very good Thursday morning to you, August 17th, 7 a.m. David and Brenda with you on The Morning Blend. Thank you so much for joining us on a day that maybe we will not hit 100 degrees. Yay! Yay for that. I was listening to the weather this morning, and he said, it's not going to be cool, but it is going to be cooler. Yes. 93? Yeah. You know, not bad, given four (laughs) days in a row. Four days, man. Four days of 100 degrees or hotter. It's all relative. It is. You know, if we're going, if it's been 70 degrees and then it jumps to 90, we are out of our minds. But if it's been triple digits and then it drops into the 90s, we're like, oh, this is so much better. Oregon Live had a story of all of the different records we have broken over the last four days. It would take me a half hour to, to go through all of them. Not only the Portland area, but up and down the Willamette Valley of all the different cities and the records and things. But so the four days in a row of 100 plus temperatures ties a record that was done a couple of times, but only two times since they've been taking the records going way back when have we done four days in a row of 100 plus. So that gives you an idea of how unusual this was. Sure. And, you know, they do seem to always add things. I mean, that was a lot. We had four days, triple digits. It's only happened a handful of times in recorded history. Uh, But then they always seem to add in things like, uh, you know, four days of triple digits on a uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday on odd number years. I mean, you can can play with the stats. That's the first time it's ever happened. Right. So (laughs) you can play with the stats. You can play with the numbers. But needless to say, it's been hot, but a little cooler today significantly cooler Friday. How about this? 80 degrees. Oh, everybody's just going to be out partying. It's just going to feel like the perfect summer day. <laughs> I'll actually go outside, maybe. <laughs> I did I did go sit out on the deck yesterday last night. Ooh. Yeah, well, yeah, late afternoon, early evening, and uh, we're out there for literally like 10 minutes and like, yeah. Okay. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to sit out here. I have been though, because we've been trying to uh, do like what the power companies have recommended and not try to use power during the peak Mm -hmm. times. And so we've done, you know, I think a good job of not doing that. So I have been grilling everything outside. We grilled last night too. And so I've, I've literally done that like four nights in a row, just because didn't want to turn the oven on or whatever the stove. And I'm out there for like five minutes and just like, uh, okay, I got to go back in. So i in and out while I'm grilling, just, you know, keeping an eye on things, but at the same time, not just standing over the grill watching it because it's like, it's too hot. I'm not doing that. So remember the whole saga of the grill at Father's Day? The good deacon got a new grill yeah, for right. Father's yeah. Day, and but I had all these specifications on it that I wanted it bigger and mm-hmm. I didn't want the side grill, but we ended up getting the, the bigger grill and it had the little side burner on it. Right. That's been perfect in the heat because oh, you can yeah. add something on the side there to cook outside too. So again, you're not bringing the heat in. So I guess God was, you know, showing me. He goes, Brenda, you're going to need this down that's the road. Right. So this is this hot heat wave is coming. You'll, this you, is what you'll you want. Get. This that's it. So 
Anyway, that's that's good news. So uh, did you get a good night's sleep coming back? You know, I know you had to you you landed late the night before, so you had to get up early and come in yesterday. But last night, how about uh, good night's sleep? I was oh for sure. I was already falling asleep by about six thirty. I was feeling like I needed yeah. a little nap to carry me through. Uh, Scott and I have been watching one of our favorite shows, so we had dinner, watched a show. I went straight to bed. I I think that it took me all of about a minute and a half to fall asleep. <laughs> Soon that's, as that. Hit that's the pillow. it. I was out until this morning. Then I woke up feeling real good about 20 minutes before the alarm went off. So yeah, did. Yeah. Y- you always feel that way. If you can wake up before the alarm, you know, just start to rouse yourself, yeah. you feel like you've gotten a full night's sleep. Oh, yeah. No, it's very nice. I have been, I don't know, I, I'm in this pattern right now where I'm waking up about two hours before the alarm goes off. And then it's like, gosh, that's a long time before the alarm goes off. But then I, I lay there and I, you know, then stuff starts running through my mind and it's like, okay, clear my mind. That's it. Go back to sleep. And, and then I, I do eventually doze off, but it's not that sound sleep that, you know, you get. So it's like, okay, I got I to gotta break that pattern. So hopefully I will. But I think the heat has something to do with it. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it is. So. But so, you know, it's a blessing to be able to have air conditioning. And oh, yeah. It's still going to be warm today. We're not going to act like it's not. It's a big deal. But just kind of do those things. Hydrate and, uh, yeah, do your dishes a All little right. later this evening. That sounds good. Let's get the show on the road. All what right. You got? Hey, David, big news from the Archdiocese of Portland. It started out as a temporary appointment here in the Office of Divine Worship. Now a favorite Monsignor is here to stay. All right. Sounds great. And we'll tell you about why you need to stay out of the Willamette River. Why? Yeah, algae. Ooh. Yeah, so we'll have the details for you. All right. We got a great show ahead for you on this Thursday morning. Here is Dante Schmitz and victory. We are David and Brenda on the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
was lost in utter darkness till you came and rescued me. I was bound by all my sin when your love came and set me free. Now my soul can sing a new song. Now my heart has found a home. Now your grace is always with me and I'll never be alone. That is Dante Schmitz and Victory. It is 710 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. David and Brenda with you on this Thursday morning. Well, there is a wonderful program called The Tibbetts House. It's run by St. Ignatius Church in southeast Portland. You're going to hear about it with our good friend, Ed Longwah, right after the forecast. Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbuybark.com or 503-645-6665. Join Mater Day Radio and Brother Cyril, a Benedictine monk at Mount Angel Abbey, for the morning offering. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day, in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our bishops and of all apostles of prayer, and in particular, for those recommended by our Holy Father this month. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. For more prayer resources, and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit materdayradio.com. The average smartphone has more than 40 apps installed, and most of them are never used. Clear this clutter from your phone and make Monterey Radio's Hail Mary Media app your go-to spiritual resource. It's got everything you need to grow in holiness, including a huge library of enriching prayers, liturgy of the hours with the monks at Mount Angel Abbey, and a personalized schedule of your daily prayer reminders. The Hail Mary Media app also contains a stream of Monterey Radio's live broadcast, podcast of our original shows, including programs not heard on the radio. Plus, you'll find fun things to do on the interactive community calendar, Catholic news, and so much more. The Hail Mary Media app has everything you need to grow closer to Christ all in one place. Download it today. Search Hail Mary Media in the iOS App Store, Google Play, or MaterDayRadio.com. Declutter your phone and turn to the Hail Mary Media app from Materday Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. It is 712 here at Mater Day Radio. Well, as we said in the open, it won't be cool today, but it'll be cooler than yesterday. In fact, this heat wave we talked about marks the third time in recorded history that Portland has seen four consecutive days 
of 100 degree plus temperatures. The last time, 1981. Oh, it's been a while. So it's been a while. Now, clouds in the sky today going to keep those temperatures in the low 90s this afternoon. Overnight, we cool down to the low 60s. Then tomorrow, we drop even more. Highs on Friday, right around 81 degrees. So a very pleasant Friday summer afternoon. I like it. Still kind of a warm morning, though. 72 degrees at St. Pius X Church in Portland. And 70 degrees at St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Vancouver. In the Gospels, Jesus tells his disciples, I am giving you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as if I loved you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one another. Well, if you want an example of this quote in action, look no further than the Tibbetts House at St. Ignatius Catholic Church in Portland. Ed Longwall, the communications director at Catholic Charities of Oregon, called my attention to the Tibbetts House a couple of days ago, and Ed joins us this morning to give us some insight into this wonderful program. How are you today? I'm well, David. Thank you. So appreciative that you have me here, and, and hello to your listeners. Absolutely. So how's your summer going, by the way? I'm having a delightful summer. Got a grandson. I've had some nice trips and uh, doing some yard work. Hey, nice. Well, I know how that goes. Well, it is great to see you. And after you told me about the Tibbetts House, I went on to St. Ignatius' website and watched the video titled, Living What You Believe, Catholic Charities and Oregon Parish Open Home and Hearts to Refugees. I got to tell you, Ed, I got a little emotional watching that video. It's a wonderful program. Tell our folks about the Tibbetts House. David, St. Ignatius Parish in Southeast Portland, of course, is run by the Jesuits. Yeah. Uh, Ignatius being the founder of the Jesuits. And in about 2017, 2018, at a time in our nation when immigrants were getting it on the chin pretty hard for one reason or another, St. Ignatius decided to use a spare house that they had to welcome refugees. The Jesuits promoted this. A team of volunteers came forward. It's a house not far from the church, and it's used to house newly arrived refugees while Catholic Charities works with them on their legal papers, their health status, their health care, and searches for more permanent housing. It's a nice big house. It's about five bedrooms. Uh, Recently, there's been a family from the Central African Republic, a family of nine, I believe, packed in there, kids running around. It's just a beautiful thing all the way around, David. Yeah, I really encourage folks to learn about the Tibbetts House and look at this video that I watched on St. Ignatius' website. As I said, too, it's really a wonderful program. And as I'm watching this video and thinking about refugees, and, and the video kind of goes into this a little bit, but think about if you were somebody who maybe lived in a war-torn country, maybe had to deal with food security issues, all of those things, and you have to pack up and move to another country, sight unseen, not knowing what you're going to encounter, yet here is a group of people, volunteers, folks from Catholic Charities of Oregon, who greet you and help you. How big that would be to be able to have that. David, I don't think we can imagine what these people have gone through in their home countries. Some have been threatened with death. And you're right. When they finally get to the United States, which is not easy, David, this process that can take years. People live in refugee camps for a long time, which can be squalid. When they do finally get here, it's like being on another planet, I'm told. Yeah. 
the language is different, the customs are different. How do you go to the doctor? How do you get on the bus? And so to have uh, a group like Catholic Charities, and it's volunteers, we can't do this without volunteers, David. First thing they do is welcome these people at the airport. Talk about tears. I've watched some of these welcome ceremonies, Mm. the the hugs, the signs of welcome, the embraces just will, will... uh, melt your heart. Right. But then the hard part comes next. It's that it's those early months when people are trying to adjust to a new life, a new world, uh, apply for health care, get through the federal applications for for aid and for, for work. It's it's just daunting. And so to have the help of Catholic Charities case managers who are experts at this. Right. But then also volunteers at a place like Tibbetts House, led by a parishioner named Carrie Babin, who go visit them. They play with the children. They maybe take people to the grocery store. They teach them how to get on TriMet, take them to worship. It's really revived this life here. And and what what people find out is it's a two-way street. While the refugees are having a wonderful experience, the volunteers also have their lives just filled up. And we could talk more about that. Yeah. I mean, you talk about faith in action. This is a program that really shows that. And for the volunteers, I think one gentleman in the video said he's been doing this now for four years. It's part of his life to be able to help these refugees who come to the country. Couldn't be done without the volunteers. David, in many of the cases, uh, there's another house down in Selwood that uh, neighbors decided to buy and offer to Catholic Charities refugees. So these are just neighbors who bought the house right. and, are, and are offering it. And But not only that, but they've done the same thing that the Tibbetts House folks have done. Take people to pick berries, take people to the Rose Festival Parade, develop relationships that are so key to human thriving. Mm. To me, that's what the volunteers have done so well. We Catholic Charities have the professional knowledge to get through all the applications and maneuvers you have to do. But the volunteers are the ones who step forward with the relationships, which can make the transition so much smoother and and beautiful from both sides. When I talked about this video being emotional in the sense that when you see the smiles on the faces from these refugees who, again, don't know what they're going to encounter when they come to this new country, I mean, it's really heartwarming to see. It's amazing. And what I'm told, David, is, is that every refugee will have a vision of what the United States might be like. And often it's unrealistic. Right. And when they come, there can be a sense of disappointment. Oh, the United States mm. isn't paved with gold. Right. Uh, but the, the smiles of the people, as you mentioned, the, the, the acts of kindness, just being present can help people get through that, that dis- moment of disillusionment and then get to that point of embracing reality and what a great community we have. Yeah, wonderful. Ed Longwa, he is the Communications Director for Catholic Charities of Oregon, talking about the Tibbetts House at St. Ignatius Catholic Church here in Portland, as well as the Refugee Program with Catholic Charities of Oregon. I was looking online at the Refugee Program on Catholic Charities' website, and I mean, it's quite uh, layered. There's a lot there, that the help that you provide. That's right, David. If you can imagine a refugee has to do things like apply for health care, apply for work, Catholic Charities and our volunteers are there to help, but ultimately we we are trying to help people gain self-sufficiency rather quickly. Mm -hmm. The federal government gives a limited amount of cash aid to refugees, so we need to help prepare these people soon. There's language barriers. We, We have a cultural education class 
at Catholic Charities. All refugees come there to learn how to deal with American culture. We have English as a second language mm-hmm. uh, volunteers and tutors uh, working that angle. We help place children in the right school, trying to find the right program for, for children who maybe have never spoken English or, or are new to it. And it's the children that, that you watch that really fill up your heart, that they, they just rather quickly. Yeah, It's the adults and the parents that maybe have a little harder time. As you can imagine, the children often become the translators and the cultural translators for their sure. parents. Yeah. I'm just speaking of which that I'm wondering how many uh, interpreters that uh, Catholic Charities works with, with all of the different countries that you deal with. We have a service we use called Linguava, which is wonderful. You call up on the phone and say, hey, I need a Swahili interpreter <laughs> right, or a Rwandanese interpreter, and they can find people quick. And that, that, that's been a beautiful thing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we, of course, have Spanish speakers and French speakers on our staff, and I believe some Arabic speakers too. But you're right, there's so many different languages. You look at any hotspot in the world, David, right now, uh, Central African Republic, Syria, Afghanistan. These are places where we are getting refugees coming to our, our community and building our beautiful Portland community. What richness we're, yeah. we are privileged with helping build here. Yeah. What also struck me, too, and, and you, you touched on this a little bit, and that was about not only is Catholic Charities and the folks at St. Ignatius Parish helping the refugees, but what the volunteers are getting back in return. And I really got a sense of that through the video. I think anyone who does ministry, David, learns that it's a two-way street. There's a whole branch of theology on that, the mission theology, that we become missionaries not just to help the people, but to be transformed ourselves. Often it's their dependence on God, their joy in, in the small things, really has a transformative effect on us. Like I said, we can't imagine as Americans what these folks have gone through. Right. And if we just get a taste of it, I think it makes us realize the human spirit is much more resilient and stronger than we think. Yeah. It's also fragile. It's the paradox, David. It's, mm-hmm. it's fragile. These people have gone through trauma that needs to be healed, but they've survived. Yeah. They've come here and they add a great deal of richness and strength to us and, and help us move forward and see new things and enjoy new cultures. It's, yeah. it's an, an enriching experience to meet some of these folks. Yeah, it really is. Again, I encourage folks, it's the Tibbetts House. Go on to St. Ignatius Parish website. Watch the video about the Tibbetts House. I guarantee you, you will be inspired. Ed Longwah, he is the Communications Director at Catholic Charities of Oregon. Ed, thank you for calling attention to the Tibbetts House. Really appreciate that. Thanks for letting your people know about it, David. All right. God bless. It is 723 here at Macho Day Radio. What what an inspiring, incredible story, David. I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, you have these organizations, volunteers doing these programs, and sometimes they fly under the radar, and it's wonderful when we can bring those out and let people know about these programs like the Tibbetts House. And I'm sure many people do know about it, but many people probably don't, like you did not yes, know about it. And not so at all. So we can uh, bring that forward and let people know. And again, uh, you go to St. Ignatius Church website and you can watch the video. It's not a real long video, but it's an impactful video for sure. Oh, perfect. In fact, David, to make it easier for our listeners, I'll include that link to St. Ignatius Parish on the podcast of that interview. Go to matradayradio.com or listen again on the Hail Mary media app. 
Support for Mater Dei Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco, Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Francis Speaks from the Franciscan Missionary Sisters of Our Lady of Sorrows, Overcoming Shame. And when people shame you by refusing you alms, you should give thanks to God for that, because in recompense for shame, we receive great honor before the judgment seat of our Lord Jesus Christ, And you should know that shame is imputed not to the one who suffers it, but to the one who inflicts it. And alms are the inheritance of the justice due the poor, which our Lord Jesus Christ acquired for us. You who labor to acquire alms, then, have a great reward and also enrich those who give to you. For everything that people leave behind in the world will perish. But for the charity and almsgiving they've practiced, they will have the reward from the Lord. A reflection from Through the Year with Francis of Assisi by Father Murray Bodo. Learn more at olpretreat.org. A great way to support Mater Dei Radio is through our Leadership Circle. These are businesses and organizations whose names you hear on the air every day. They believe in our mission of providing the region with positive Catholic radio programs of faith and hope. Simply put, our Leadership Circle members keep our broadcast strong through their financial generosity. If you run a business or organization, please join us. We need you. Information on our Leadership Circle at materdayradio.com. Want an eye-opener in the morning without the caffeine? It's the Morning Blend with David and Brenda on Mater Day Radio. And it is 727 at Mater Day Radio. A large algae bloom in the Willamette River brings a warning from the Oregon Health Authority. We'll have that for you in the news. And it started as a temporary appointment in the Archdiocese of Portland's Office of Divine Worship. Now the Monsignor is here to stay. I'll have the story for you coming up in three minutes. Here is Unspoken. You've always been. We are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. Good days, I've had bad days, tasted victory and defeat. I've had problems, biggest planets, turned to pebbles when you speak. I've had nothing to my name, never lacked for anything. Cause you were there with me. You've been my savior, sustainer. Just 
That is Unspoken and You've Always Been. It is 731 at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Archdiocese of Portland released a statement yesterday on the permanent placement of Monsignor Gerard O'Connor. It states, on Tuesday, the Solemnity of Our Lady's Assumption, Archbishop Alexander Sample signed the letter of incarnation, making Monsignor Gerard O'Connor officially a priest of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. Monsignor O'Connor was ordained on July 22, 2000, and after a brief assignment on Martha's Vineyard, was sent back to Rome to work for the Holy See as an official of the Congregation of the Clergy. In 2007, he returned to the U.S. and assigned as parochial administrators of St. Anthony Padua in New Bedford, then pastor of St. Francis Xavier. In September of 2017, Monsignor O'Connor was given on loan to the Archdiocese of Portland for a period of three years, which was extended another three years in 2020. He served as director of the Office of Divine Worship since 2017 and in 2021 placed as rector of St. Mary's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception. Our Archdiocese is truly blessed to have Monsignor O'Connor. They ask that you continue to pray for him and for Archdiocese. I read this. I was a little bit excited. I must admit, Monsignor is a friend of mine, and I just really enjoy the times that he comes to the radio station. We do our interviews. He comes for share Always such a good supporter and always one to keep me in my place, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Great to hear. Wonderful. Well, even though it may sound refreshing on these hot summer days, you should avoid recreating in the Willamette River between Ross Island and Cathedral Park in the downtown Portland area for the time being. This is because of a large toxic algae bloom, according to the Oregon Health Authority. If ingested, the bacteria in the algae can cause symptoms similar to food poisoning, as well as dizziness, numbness, and shortness of breath. Boating is safe at speeds without excessive spray. Drinking the water is especially dangerous. Now, children and pets are at particular risk for exposure to the algae toxins because they are more likely to ingest the water. Dog owners are advised to keep a close eye on their pets, too, when they're near the riverbank. State is taking measurements of toxin levels in the river today to determine how long the health advisory should remain in place. I saw an aerial photo. It looks not pleasant. Not pleasant, (laughs) no. Okay. A house fire in La Center, Washington, is prompting evacuations for those living nearby, according to the Clark County Sheriff's Office. As of Wednesday night, fire officials say it is 5% contained and around 32 acres in size. The Clark Hallett Fire Rescue reported the house fire at around 4 p.m. and warned people to stay away from the area near 370th and Jenny Creek Road. Fire officials said the house fire spread to nearby vegetation, prompting road closure. Wednesday night, Battalion Chief Jason Leavitt confirmed two structures, the house where the fire began and a barn on the property burned in the fire. There have been no reported injuries. A public alert with a level three go now evacuation notice was previously in place for a radius of more than a mile around the blaze. As of Wednesday night, those zones have shifted. 
There are also level 2B set and level 1B ready evacuation warnings surrounding that level 3 evacuation zone over much of the area now of La Center. Fire officials call for multiple additional units, including a strike team of brush engines from Clark County. They're designed to get in and go over areas that larger engines cannot. Units from a number of agencies were on the scene by Wednesday evening. The Washington Department of Natural Resources brought in two helicopters and multiple wildland ground crews. Well, Oregon's unemployment rate dropped to 3.4% in July. That's down from 3.5% in June. This was the sixth consecutive monthly drop in the jobless numbers. The July rate equaled Oregon's record low of 3.4%, which was reached in November and December of 2019. The U.S. unemployment rate was 3.5% in July, very close to Oregon's. Oregon added 6,800 jobs last month, which followed a gain of 5,700 jobs in June. Over the month, job gains were the largest in health care and social assistance, government, professional and business services, and construction. Over the past 12 months, three major industries, health care, social assistance, and leisure and hospitality and government, have added nearly all of Oregon's net new jobs, with each up by close to 10,000 jobs while expanding by about Four to five percent. Mount Rainier National Park is reminding visitors how to responsibly visit the park after reports of damage to meadows during the Perced meteor shower. The National Park posted on Tuesday that the Perced meteor shower peak attracted a surge of people to both Sunrise and Paradise Visitors area. The park said it is reviewing reports of damage to the Sunrise Wildflower Meadow that could have been caused by off-trail travel and improper parking. According to the park, subalpine wildfires wildflowers have just a few weeks to grow and produce seeds can be destroyed by off-trail travel. Trample plants may never return and scars on the landscape can take decades to regrow due to the alpine climate. In a Facebook post, the park shared pictures of overfilled trash cans, trampled meadows, cars illegally parked on vegetation alongside roadways, and illegal camping. The park asks if you plan to visit for night viewing to remember the following. Stay on trails and parking lots and in sidewalks. Do not trample the meadows. Do not picnic or set up blankets and chairs or lay in the meadows to view stars. Park only in designated spots, never on vegetation. Pack it in, pack it out if a receptacle is full. And they say overnight parking is not permitted. In sports, University of Portland women's soccer team has been picked to finish second in the annual West Coast Conference preseason coaches poll with three players named to the all-conference preseason team. That would be Bree Norris, Nedia Sawan, and Callie Togiai. This is the highest the Pilots have been picked to finish in the conference since 2014. And their three players on the preseason team are also the most since that same year, Portland had a resurgent 2022 campaign, qualifying for the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2013 and advancing to the second round of the playoffs. Regular season begins tonight for the pilots who are in Southern California to take on Cal State Northridge. 
On Tuesday, we celebrated the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. While tradition states that Mary was assumed into heaven, the Bible refers to three other individuals who may have been assumed by God after their life was completed on earth. The first, Enoch. In the book of Genesis, Enoch is said to have been taken by God. It says Enoch walked with God and he was no longer here for God took him. That's in the book of Genesis. All right. The second is Moses. Yeah. Here's what it says. Moses clearly dies in the book of Deuteronomy, but his body goes missing. Mm. It says in scripture, so there in the land of Moab, Moses, the servant of God, died as the Lord had said, and he was buried in the valley in the land of Moab. To this day, no one knows the place of his burial. Uh-huh. But here's where it gets interesting. Yeah. Some point to the event of Jesus' transfiguration as evidence that Moses was assumed by God, both body and soul. That's right. He shows up. In the... He shows up. Yeah. In fact, he shows up with the next guy on our list, Elijah. That's it, yeah. Now, the prophet Elijah is more clearly taken up by God in a very dramatic fashion. This is the way I want to get to heaven. <laughs> yes. It says, as they walked on, still conversing, a fiery chariot and fiery horses came between the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Wow. So while Mary's assumption is not recorded in the Bible, it makes logical sense that Jesus' earthly mother would be united to him in all things taken up to heaven to be with her son. Very nice. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. This Friday, St. John the Evangelist, Knights of Columbus Charity Golf Tournament is happening at Tri-Mountain Golf Course. Please join the Knights of Columbus for a great day of golf at Tri-Mountain with a banquet meal and awards reception afterwards. Remember, you can find all the details on these and other events. Go to the community calendar, matradayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. Well, we have a nutty interview for you coming up, so you want to stick around to hear this. That's after the forecast. Support for Matre Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Greetings and blessings to all of you listening to Mater Day Radio. Join me, Father Gabriel Mosier, and other listeners of Mater Day Radio in this prayer in honor of Pope St. John Paul II. Let us pray. Wise and gracious God, in your divine wisdom you sent Pope St. John Paul II to guide and shepherd the Church in changing times. He courageously defended all human life from conception to death. Through his intercession, we pray, strengthen us to follow in his footsteps so that we might experience true joy and authentic love and a lasting solidarity among peoples. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. For more prayer resources and to let us know how we can pray for your intentions, please visit matredayradio.com. 
It's the 58th annual Oktoberfest in Mount Angel, running Thursday, September 14th through Sunday, September 17th. Check out the Alpine food booths, music ranging from Alp horns to Alpine rock, free street dances, nonstop Bavarian entertainment, free family fun in the kindergarten, local crafters, a cruise-in car show, sports, wiener dog races, and lots more. Come join the celebration at the Mount Angel Oktoberfest. Info online at oktoberfest.org. Hello, I'm Kevin Doran. And I'm Carla Wehrman, co-host of Sunday Commentary. Join us every weekend on Monterey Radio, Saturday mornings at 7 and Sunday mornings at 8, as we break down the scripture readings so you can better prepare to enter into the beauty and mystery of the Holy Mass. It's fun, fast, and faith-filled. Let us share our love of the good news with you, Saturday mornings at 7 and Sunday mornings at 8 on Monterey Radio. The bridge between your faith and everyday life. 743 at Mater Dei Radio, breaking that string of 100-degree days today. 93, your projected high, low overnight, 52, 62, excuse me, and becoming sunny tomorrow, really cooler, a high of 80. Currently 70 degrees at St. Mark's Church in Eugene. Good morning. This is Dina Marie with a festival moment on Mater Dei Radio. Well, in and around the City of Roses, crossing bridges is a daily occurrence. These solid structures of incredible architecture were designed to safely navigate from here to there. But have you encountered the unique traffic that frequents the squirrel bridges of Longview, Washington? These whimsical bridges are a key attraction to the annual nutty and family-friendly festival that goes on in Longview, Washington. It's the Squirrel Fest. And with me today is Sarah Hoskins. She's a fellow Longview resident and a co-chair for the Squirrel Fest Festival that is going on thanks to now the Rotary Club of Longview. Good morning, Sarah. Thanks for joining us today. Good morning. I'm excited to be here. Well, I was excited to, uh, we get together on a weekly basis over the summer, Sarah and I, with a larger group at our church with a program called The Search. And I asked her, what are you up to these days? And she said, Squirrel Fest. And so we need to know more. Uh, Sarah, tell me, well, first of all, how long have you been in Longview? And when was your first experience with the Squirrel Fest? Well, I'm actually a lifelong resident of Longview, Kelso area, except for those few years, everybody seems to leave in their 20s and then comes back. I'm actually a fourth generation in Longview. So my roots go pretty deep here. And I've always kind of been aware of Squirrel Fest and the Squirrel Bridges, actually. I never thought it was weird that we had a Squirrel Bridge, let alone multiple, until I went to college. And my friends were like, what? What is a Squirrel Bridge? Why do you have a Squirrel Bridge? And I'm like, doesn't every town have Squirrel Bridges that they decorate for Christmas and celebrate? But no. So a couple of years ago, I took over helping do the co-chair responsibilities for Squirrel Fest. So I'm pretty immersed in it now. Oh, my goodness. Well, give us a sense, Sarah, of the history. I was looking online 2011, the first year that Squirrel Fest kicked off. Yes. Yep. That's when it started. Um, It's a group in town called the Sandbaggers that actually started it. They are responsible for the Squirrel Bridges. Amos Peters was who built the first Squirrel Bridge. And then the Sandbaggers are they're kind of just a comical group that promotes Longview, plays jokes. Last year, they put up 
signs at all the squirrel bridges saying that they were closed for squirrel squirrel virus or squirrel pox. And, you know, it's when you see the the red and white striped coats and straw hats come out, you know that there's going to be some kind of joke going on. And they're kind of like the dad joke of the community. So. Yeah, the red and white jacket, red and white striped jackets, they dress up Nutty the Squirrel, which is mm-hmm. like a 10, 15 foot wood carved monument outside of the uh, the public library. Yes. Yep. Yep. They dress that up. They, they and they actually helped maintain and kind of spearheaded the whole Squirrel Fest and Squirrel Festival. They decided that it would be fun to have more than one squirrel bridge in town. So They're the ones that spearheaded that and got different organizations to build them. And, you know, the PUD's done one, an engineering firm has done one. There's a safety bridge, bike safe, pedestrian safety bridge. There's just, there's quite a few of them now in town. Oh my goodness. Well, this year, the Squirrel Fest, I know it's in its, uh, is it the 11th year, 11th annual? There was a couple of years where we missed because of the world shutdown, but we're back on track on August 19th, which is a full Saturday. What's your favorite part of the Squirrel Fest? I think that what I like the most is not a part so much, but how inclusive the event is. It's for everybody, for kids, for teens, for preteens. If you have really small young ones, there's activities for them to do all the way up to, you know, we do the concert and beer garden for the 21 plus age. So there's just really something to do for everyone in the family. Sarah's with us, and she is one of the co-chairs for the annual Squirrel Fest in Longview, Washington. Now, this is held at the Longview Civic Circle, R.A. Long Park. Some people say it's the gazebo and the square, but it's a beautiful part, the central part of Longview, Washington. So give us a sense, Sarah, about the Rotary Club. And now for the last few years, you've been taking it on to organize. How do you all work together on this? And how do the businesses and local community members support the event? This event absolutely would not happen without local businesses. They help us so much make this a free and or low cost event for the community. And that's the main purpose. Longview Rotary took it on a couple of years ago just because it had become too big. And most of the projects we do are fundraising projects, but this is the one event that we do that our goal is to break even. If we make money, yay, that's awesome because it goes to our scholarship fund and our literacy fund, which helps fund books for elementary school kids in Longview. When RIF went away, Longview Rotary stepped into that gap so kids could uh, receive books. We support the local chapter of the Dolly Parton Imagination Library. So when we do make money, that's where it goes to. Some of the businesses I would just really like to to recognize that have helped us tremendously over the years are, well, of course, the city of Longview is one of our biggest sponsors, and they help with a lot of different things. Nippon Dinawave, EGT Grain Terminal, the Port of Longview, Twin City Bank, our local State Farm Insurance agents, Jesse Cope Real Estate, Antidote Tap House, Porky's Pub House, Mill City Grill. I there are so many sponsors and people who really do help us out. And locally, Pat Sari, he's one of the co-founders of the event. He is 
one of the most wonderful human beings I have ever met. He is so giving. He loves Longview. He wants to make sure that this is a fun event for families. He's back there propping me up the whole time. So I just like to make sure people recognize him. Uh, Wes Wheeler is another one who's a longtime event coordinator. If you've ever eaten at Squirrel Fest, he's the one that coordinates all of that. He's a great mentor. You know, we have an idea and he's like, well, yeah, we've tried that before, you know, or here's something to think about. And he has been a wonderful mentor. Mark Silva in Rotary too. He does all the beer garden and our acorn hole tournament coordinating. He's really good with that. And then my other co-chair, Betsy Wyatt, she's helped organize all the kids activities and she's worked really hard behind the scenes too. So it's a huge community event. We're talking about the Squirrel Fest this year, 2023. It's Longview Centennial. So I think what a great year to celebrate the 100th anniversary of this planned city, but also to have this great Squirrel Fest in the heart of Longview, Washington. Again, the Squirrel Bridges. You typically, there'll be tours to see those Squirrel Bridges and to get some good photos of it. How does that fit into the festival? Yeah, so we do the Squirrel Bridge tours. They're from 11 to 4, and they leave every hour. And there's a limited number of spots. So we recommend either, um, if you go online, there's information on where and how to purchase pre before the event, or I recommend getting there at 10 o'clock and going straight to the net house and purchasing your bridge tours. They're in an open air carrier and that's provided free to us by Jeff Wilson who's one of our 19th district representatives to the state so he provides that for free John Paul he's a rotary member and uh, owner of a local radio station he he emcees the whole thing and I have never been on the tour because I'm running around crazy but I've I've heard that it's wonderful and it sells out every year usually within the first hour or two Oh, my goodness. The event opens up at 10 o'clock in the morning. As Sarah mentioned, the nut house, the vendor booths, uh, cornhole tournament, the squirrel bridge tour. And then, of course, there's going to be bands performing art in the park. When we went last year, Sarah, I mean, there were so many vendors, so much for the kids to do. Like you said, all different ages. We had a blast. And I guess for kids at heart like us that are maybe senior citizens, but it's (laughs) just a great event. What's your invitation for families and maybe those who live a little bit outside of the area to come and take advantage of this Squirrel Fest? It is a great family event. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of different things, vendors, food. We've got inflatable obstacle courses. The reptile man will be there, which you some people love him, some people hate him and stay on the other side of the park. So we will have face painting, a magician, roaming balloon animals, lots of different things. Our concerts start at three o'clock. We're really excited this year. We've got Claire Beck, who does kind of a country folk. She's a local musician. So she's got a pretty good local following going to different brew pubs and things like that. So we're really excited to have somebody that's local from the area performing. And then our headliner is Jennifer Batten and Full Steam. And I'm really excited about this. They do 80s, 90s popular music. And she was the lead guitarist for several years for Michael Jackson. She went on tour with him Um, in the 90s. She played with him at Super Bowl. If you just Google her and look at some of her videos, she is an excellent performer. So we're really, really excited to have that. 
That's awesome. I mean, that's all in one day. It's jam packed. It's the Squirrel Fest, August 19th, which is Saturday, full day. I mean, it goes until uh, 10 o'clock in the evening. So 10 to 10. And then where do people go, Sarah, to learn more information about all the details? Just look up Squirrel Fest on Facebook. We've got a pretty active Facebook page talking about different things that we'll have there, different sponsors, what's going to be available in the beer garden. And then um, also the LV Squirrel Fest website. Okay. LVSquirrelFest.com is the website. We'll make sure to put that on this podcast as well. Sarah Hoskins, thank you so much, fellow Longview member. And we're excited because I'm going to be in the gazebo this year. And I'm excited about helping out at this year's Squirrel Fest. Thanks so much for your enthusiasm on this wonderful event. And we'll look forward to seeing you in Civic Circle in Longview, Washington. Thank you. It is 7.54 here at Mater Day Radio. Sounds... It's going to be fun. Sounds like a great time. I keep laughing when I was listening to that. Go online and just Google Longview Washington Squirrel Bridges. There's a bunch of them. Those are fantastic. cool. So it sounds like it's going to be a great event. And you know, if you head over to Mater Day Radio's community calendar, well, it's full of all kinds of great events for you and your family here in the Portland area and in the Southern Deanery of Washington. You can also access that community calendar on the Hail Mary media app. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Bringing souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is Modern Day Radio, KBVM Portland, Salem, Vancouver. KMME Cottage Grove, Eugene, Springfield, Translator K235BF, Eugene, and streaming at moderndayradio.com. As we surpass three decades of broadcasting, all of us at Mater Day Radio are thankful for the many blessings this special radio ministry provides to our Catholic community. To ensure that our faith continues to thrive in today's media, we hope you will consider including Mater Day Radio in your estate planning. There are many estate planning options to choose from, but one way would be to include Mater Day Radio as a beneficiary in your will. More information on estate planning is on our website at materdayradio.com. The Morning Blend. Check out our podcast at materdayradio.com. And it is 7.57 at Mater Day Radio. We'll have the latest for you on some wildfires that's coming up in the news. And children of Ukraine getting a little break from the war and a vacation at Italy's finest beaches. I'll have that story for you coming up right after Awaken the Saint. Hey everyone, I'm Sophia with Awaken Catholic, and this is Awaken the Saint. Young Elizabeth wanted nothing more than to teach. Her passion for education shone through her academics and excelled in anything she set her mind to. Sadly, when her father passed away when she was 15, she dropped her studies to care for her mother and four younger siblings. By the age of 20, she was finally able to go and receive her teaching degree at École Normale in Laval. Again, the dream was halted when her health began to decline. Elizabeth had to resign after the first year to regain her health and focus on recovery. After needed rest, Elizabeth tried to return to her dream of teaching and offered a private class at Saint Roche, but unfortunately had to give up once again due to her poor health. 
she began to grow restless and knew that a new approach was needed in her life. Asking for the intercession of St. Anne, Elizabeth promised she wouldn't ask for a single penny from anyone she taught if she could be healed of her ailments. She just wanted to teach for the pure love of knowledge. It was around this time that she also began seriously discerning the call to religious life she had felt in her heart since she was a little girl. On September 12, 1879, Elizabeth took her vows with the sisters of the little schools and was now able to begin the true journey God was calling her on. Keeping her promise to St. Anne, Sister Marie Elizabeth was ready to teach those who couldn't necessarily afford an education. What she wasn't ready for was the Bishop of Romoski to approach her and ask that she lead a small, new community of teachers. Could she take on such a difficult and huge responsibility when her health was in the air? Or was this possibly what God had been preparing her for throughout her young adult life? She eventually accepted the invitation and became known as the founder of the Sisters of Our Lady of the Rosary and began teaching the poor children of the surrounding countryside. As she took on more responsibilities with the order, she began to slip in her health once again. Medics were called to her bedside more often than not and eventually became bedridden and was given the anointing of the sick. It was on the feast day of the Assumption of Mary that she gathered the professed members and arranged the details for her passing. Two days later, the Mother Superior took her final breath. Despite her lack of health throughout her life, Sister Marie Elizabeth served her community and sisters with a strong heart. Her passion for teaching drove her to give all that she had for God's children. She was given nili obstat, Latin for nothing hinders. Shortly after her death, her case of sainthood was opened and she was beatified by Pope Francis in 2015 for her virtuous life. May our hearts of service not be discouraged by our own limitations, just as Blessed Marie Elizabeth didn't allow her illness to stop her from teaching those in need. Blessed Marie Elizabeth Turgeon, pray for us. Thank you for tuning in to Awaken the Saint. Awaken the Saint is a three-minute daily show that unpacks the lives of the saints with practical messages for everyday life. And that is Awaken the Saint. For more information about the saints or to pray with Mater Day Radio, download today our free Hail Mary media app. Details at materdayradio.com. It is 8 o'clock. And in your news, while much of the state is hoping for cooler temperatures over the weekend, rural areas near California's border with Oregon were under evacuation orders Wednesday after gusty winds from a thunderstorm sent a lightning-sparked wildfire racing through national forest lands, according to authorities on the scene. The blaze in Siskiyou County, dubbed the Head Fire, was one of at least 20 fires, most of them small, that erupted in the Klamath National Forest as thunderstorms brought lightning and downdrafts that drove the flames through timber and rural lands. Firefighters were working to protect homes near the confluence of the Scout and actually the Scott and Klamath Rivers, a very lightly populated area about 20 miles from the California-Oregon state line and about 50 miles northwest of Mount Shasta. The Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals approved additional abortion pill restrictions, including ending mail-order abortions. In its ruling, a three-judge panel on the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court held that the Food and Drug Administration failed to adequately take into account safety concerns when it loosened access to mefepristone in 2016. The court did not disapprove 
over all use of abortion pills, but rather ruled that the FDA must reinstate restrictions in place before 2016, most notably banning administering the pills through the mail or via telemedicine. The court said the FDA failed to consider the cumulative effect of removing several important safeguards and to gather evidence that affirmatively shows that MIF Prezone should be used safely without being prescribed and dispensed in person. While the ruling is a victory for abortion opponents, the Justice Department said it would appeal the decision. Well, a big change is in the offing for shoppers in the south, southeastern part of the country. The grocery store chain Winn-Dixie being purchased by a German supermarket giant, Aldi. The acquisition, which includes Harvey's Supermarket, will add locations across Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Louisiana, and Mississippi to Aldi's portfolio. The transaction is expected to close in the first half of 2024 and is pending regulatory approval. It's part of Aldi's long-term plan to expand across the U.S. It previously announced it is opening 120 new stores with the goal of 2,400 stores by the end of 2024. The acquisition of Winn-Dixie comes as Kroger announced last year that it was buying Albertsons in a nearly $25 billion merger between the two largest grocery stores in the country. But that deal, which is expected to close in 2024, is facing antitrust pushback. As part of Italy's ongoing effort to support Ukrainian refugees, the country's government, in partnership with the Italian Bishops' Conference, is hosting a group of children and adults accompanying them for the summer, offering them a beach holiday in several seaside towns. The Italian Episcopal Conference announced that 42 Ukrainian children and adolescents will be coming to Italy. They will be dispersed among the Italian beach towns of Senegalia, Ascoli Picino and Maserata along the central eastern coast for the remainder of the summer. Supported by the Vatican Embassy in Ukraine and the Italian government, the initiative was described as being a further sign of solidarity of the church in Italy with the Ukrainian population. And in sports, week two of the NFL preseason gets going this afternoon with the Cleveland Browns at the Philadelphia Eagles. Game kicks off at 4.30 on the NFL Network. A couple of games tomorrow, then the rest on Saturday and Sunday. Only one more week of the preseason after this week. The NFL regular season starts on September 7th. So we're getting close. How about that? I'm excited. Yeah. There's something beautiful about the father-daughter bond, especially if it's used to help those in need. This is just the case for Caitlin Campbell and her father, Ross. The pair has a joint passion for coffee. When her father became fed up with his usual takeout coffee places, he decided to learn how to roast his own coffee beans. Caitlin then joined him in his efforts, and it was the beginning of a very fruitful journey. However, the duo also shared a love for helping those less fortunate. In fact, Ross had been speaking out for better support for the homeless. The next logical step was to combine coffee and support for those without a home. The Campbells united coffee lovers in their community through Street Brew, allowing people to stop and pick up their favorite beverage with some of the profits going towards ending homelessness. Thankfully, their joint venture is proving 
quite successful with Caitlin becoming a familiar face on social media and Street Brew growing in recognition with fans as far away as Sydney. The supporters can contribute to their efforts by purchasing Street Brew coffee and merchandise from their online shop. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. This Friday at 6.30 p.m. is Catholic Friendship Group Gathering happening at St. Brigida Catholic Church in Portland. The Catholic Friendship Group is for single Catholics ages 40 to 60 who are looking to grow in faith and fellowship. Meet at the church at 6.30. Gatherings are held every other week and include prayer, a talk on a prepared theme, and social. August 18th's presentation will be on church heresies. I'll have that. Uh, you can find more details by going to the community calendar, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. So uh, tell us about this interview you have coming up. So if you missed it when we were able to have it on the air the first time around, you get an opportunity to now not only to hear about a priest's vocation, but what it means for the rest of the family. All right, we're going to do that right after the forecast. Support for Matre Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbybark.com or 503-645-6665. Are you a young adult in your 20s or 30s? Are you looking to bring Christ into your everyday work? Hi, I'm Jesse Jose, the president of the Portland chapter of Young Catholic Professionals. Our mission is to challenge, train, and inspire young adults to work in witness for Christ. No matter your career field or level of experience, we invite you to join us at an upcoming event to build community, learn from seasoned professionals, and grow in your Catholic faith. For more information, visit ycpportland.org. In your hands, O oh Lord, we humbly entrust our deceased brothers and sisters. Matrade Radio joins Mount Calvary and Gethsemane Catholic Funeral Services for a special rosary for the faithful departed on Wednesday, August 30th. Cards will be available to request a special intention for your loved one. Deacon David Hamus will lead the Holy Rosary and Litany of the Faithful Departed at 12.30 at Gethsemane Chapel in Happy Valley and 2.30 at Mount Calvary Catholic Cemetery in Portland on Wednesday afternoon, August 30th. Be a part of this uplifting time of peace and renewal. For more information, search the keyword Rosary on the community calendar at materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary Media app. Unite with us in this powerful prayer session for Mount Calvary and Gethsemane Catholic Funeral Services and Mater Day Radio. Leading souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it is 8.09 at Mater Day Radio. Well, going to be a little cooler today. Won't hit the 100 degree mark, hopefully. High of 93 degrees. Projected, partly sunny skies, mostly cloudy overnight tonight, low of 62, and then maybe some morning clouds, then becoming sunny, only 80 degrees for Friday. Wow, I, that's funny to say only, only 80. Only 80 degrees, that's <laughs> that's average actually, right, right around average. 
Currently, it is 70 degrees at St. Joseph the Worker Catholic Church in Yakult, Washington. And 73 degrees at St. Joseph Church in Salem. I've been fortunate here at Mater Day Radio to interview such a wide variety of people. And some of my favorite times with guests have been with our seminarians, our transitional deacons, and our newly ordained priest. Deacon Justin Echeverria has been joining me throughout the summertime to give us just a little bit of an insight into his life and his pastoral year that he is serving at Christ the King Church. But what I rarely, in fact, where I have never been able to talk to is the family of our future priests. Well, that changes today. I am so excited because Deacon Justin has brought together his family for a wonderful conversation about what it's like when there is a priest in the family. Deacon Justin, along with his parents, Lily and Rick, and for this first half of our interview, Sister Emily joining us from California. Good morning, everyone. Deacon Justin, thanks so much for bringing everybody together. Good morning, Brenda. Thanks for having us. Before we get to the whole family, and we've got so much to talk about, just remind our listeners a little bit about how you came to know your own vocation and when you realized that God was calling you, in fact, to the priesthood. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of started in the beginning just in the sense that I came from a domestic church. My Both of my parents are Catholic. They prayed with us. They brought us to the sacraments. We went to Mass every every weekend as a family. Uh, so I had that foundation, the the Catholic imagery in our household. We were in Catholic, you know, all my siblings and I went to Catholic school from kindergarten at least through high school. My, two of my siblings went to a Catholic college and I, uh, I went to uh, a non-Catholic Christian college. Uh, and then my, young, my middle brother, Derek, went to a non-religious school, but Purdue University. That was for my dad. And um, yeah, so I, I had that foundation that when I finally made the decision, this is after college and when I was in the workforce, uh, it was a lot easier to have because it wasn't super foreign to my family because we even, we knew priests growing up through school. We even invited some, you know, we, we knew some priests from UP who we invited to our home to celebrate mass on occasion. So it was just a lot of good. Um, the Catholic culture was very strong in my, uh, in the household. With every household, we recognize the importance of parents and especially the role of a father in the lives of their children and especially their sons to guide and lead our faith journey. Rick, it's wonderful you to join us today. For you, did you feel a responsibility as the father is the head of this household with your wife to bring these children up in the faith? Absolutely, absolutely. I think it was it was always a fundamental part of uh, our our relationship as husband and wife, Lily and I, our high school sweethearts. So we've known each other a long time. We dated six and a half years before we got married. And I always remember from the beginning, growing up in high school, that Sunday night was always the time for us to go to church together. And then post-college and once we got married, that continued to get stronger and stronger. Uh, and I give Lily uh, a lot of credit because her faith is so strong and she is really the foundation of our home. And she uh, and she also is, has 51% of the vote for the most part. So when she says we're going in one direction, we're going in one direction. And in this case, we were all very blessed that she had Christ the Lord, Mother Mary, who she's very devout to, and the, the overall you know Catholic upbringing of the kids and how we conduct ourselves and what we prioritize has always been front and center. So we're very blessed to be led by her. If you are just tuning in, I'm joined today by Deacon Justin Echeverria. He's been joining us throughout the summer in wonderful conversations and topics about some of the things and questions that 
oftentimes kids have about the faith, but we have a very special opportunity joined by his parents, Lily and Rick. Lily, I have a mother's heart too. Over these times that I've been, I have the opportunity to talk with Deacon, you know, to share in your thoughts as a mother. So what does that mean for you? You know, for your children, you you pray for their vocations, but oftentimes we just have the idea that we'll we'll raise them in the faith. They'll go to high school and college. They'll meet somebody, get married, have children. Well, for you, did you pray or ever even think that one of your children would be called by God to become a priest? Honestly, I no. <laughs> so when Deacon came to you, when at how old was he when he came to you and said, I want to become a priest? Was that a shock to you? Or did you find a sense in him from maybe an early on age that God was calling him kind of in a special way? I think um, that even besides me, other people that grew up with him, would they were not surprised. Um, he loved religion when he was in Holy Trinity. He would read Bibles for fun. Um, and so it was not a surprise. And he mentioned something in at the end of high school. There were some mentioned throughout college two different times. So when the real mention came, we were not in shock. Really? Tell Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? That moment? Um, to be honest with you, we I think that is very normal to say, are you sure? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? This is not an easy life. And as a Catholic, we want future priests with the true, true vocation. Um, but he said yes, and we forgot all our worries and jumped the wagon of supporting him and and all this wonderful journey that that is just like a, ble- a blessing in our lives. Dick and Justin, do you remember that time when you came to your parents and you finally said, Absolutely, this is where I know God is calling me. Did you have a sense of trepidation or uncertainty as to what you thought your parents might say? Or did it feel very natural? I was terrified. Were you? Yeah, it was Divine Mercy Sunday of 2017, in April of 2017. I will never forget when I finally, that whole day, I was like agonizing over telling my parents. And then I finally, I just the way I remembered was we went to get dinner at Chipotle nearby. We came back. And then my parents were in the laundry room folding the sheets, I think, or something. And I called them into the kitchen. And that's when I told the news. But it took a while for me to get it out. Okay. Uh, and then, but when I when I finally blurted it out, um, there was, yeah, that, that sense of, are you sure? Or, you know, is this really what you want to do? But also at, at the time, I think my mom actually was the one who said, well, I was 25 at the time. And it's like, well, you're 25 years old. You got to make your own decision. You got to be your own man. I think that many parents would be surprised in the middle of an ordinary day folding sheets how life can make a turn. Mm-hmm. And what a blessing. Have Deacon Justin's been here throughout the summer. Have you enjoyed being able to experience his, his diaconate in, in a unique way? Lily, has it kind of helped uh, confirm in your own heart and mind that Deacon Justin's doing exactly what God's called him to be? Yes. Um, it has been a wonderful year, aside from having him coming home every weekend, um, but share that journey and see um, we now, Rick and I go to Christ the King Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings and to see how that community has embraced Justin, Deacon Justin, and um, how they love him and support him and to see the wonderful mentorship 
relationship from Monsignor Sayak, who's a giant. Um, I will ever be grateful to whoever decided to send the congesting to Christ the King. I will always be grateful to that community and Monsignor Sayak. And seeing, because he shares stories with us, seeing his pastoral um, ability, or it has been very reassuring. I think that he was born to do this and and to understand that even when we have a Super Bowl party, he will get there late because he went to um, bless a home for a parishioner. So we are all also learning that is first. And if we get a little bit of him, it's great, but we need to share him with the Lord and the Lord's people. As Deacon so often would point out to us, a priest, and as he's experiencing now as a transitional deacon, the entire parish is his family, mm-hmm. and he is the father to so many, and that's the way that, Deacon, you experiencing that. Joining us also this morning, Deacon Justin's sister, Emily, is joining us from California. Good morning, Emily. Thanks for joining us on The Morning Blend. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So, Emily, you are just one step down in the family lineup. You are a younger sister to Deacon Justin. So growing up, I mean, of course, now we know his vocation is to the priesthood. Did that seem like he had maybe that holy glow about him from just a very young age? Yeah, I, I also, I don't think any of our siblings were surprised when Justin told us he was discerning into the priesthood. Um Maybe not when we were very, very little, but I think around high school, it was starting to become a little bit of a thought or kind of more exposed to the rest of us. Um, I'm also the closest, like you said, in age to Justin. We're only two years apart, so we went to high school together, Um, and like we were driving the car together in the mornings and whatnot, so I think I was a little bit closer to like seeing what he was going through than uh, the rest of our siblings. Oftentimes, siblings know the story before their parents know. Did you know before your parents that, uh, you know, this is what he's going to do? And then in those close conversations that siblings have, did you ever try to dissuade him going, look, Justin, we see how life is for priests. Are you sure this is what you want to do? Did you ever have that ability to have those conversations before the big announcement, we'll say? Um, not really, to be honest, because I, I also remember when Justin, like the moment Justin called me to tell me he was going into the priesthood and I was driving in my car um, to go shopping <laughs> and he called me and he was telling me just that that was what he wanted to do. And I just remember being like trying to compose myself because I didn't really know what the appropriate response was, but I felt elated. I felt happy. It was like that was the experience I was feeling. Um, and so I don't know, Justin, like exactly what I told you, but I just remember being like, wow, congrats. That's exciting. I never once was coming from, are you sure about it? Um, and Actually, yeah. I, I already knew my parents had that covered because my parents are, I mean, that's more of a parent role. I feel like as siblings, we're just there to be more supportive and like lift Justin up and be his, um, you know, protector in a way too. So yeah, I think that was more of my parents' role. Yeah, I think uh, the the most specific thing I remember, besides all the support, was when Emily said, uh, if anybody that you know is not going to support you in this, they're not your, hmm. you don't need that in your life. That's it. I do remember that. Fantastic. Yeah, I think I 
I got very, like, in that moment, protective. And I think even now, more so, too, as Justin's continued down his journey. Um, I mean, we're all very, um, like, strong and opinionated. And I think, you know, loud and outgoing. That's just kind of how we were raised as a family. And so it's always been, if one of us is hurt by somebody, you know, we're kind of like an army against them, you know, mm. in, a, in a sense. So, um you know, for, for me and I know for Derek and Alex, too, we have felt this responsibility to, you know, protect Justin against, you know, some hardships that may, may come down the line as much as we can. So I love Over. that. You should all have matching shirts that say Team Echeverria. You yeah. are amazing. And I've said that to our own kids. The whole world outside is trying to drive wedges in between the families. So inside the walls of this household we're together. Mm-hmm. We're together on it for sure. Well, it's been a wonderful conversation. I'm already up against my break. Emily, thank you so much. We're going to say goodbye to you. But you mentioned Derek and Alex, the brothers. They're coming up in our next half hour. So please stay with us. We got a great conversation coming up. And it is 823 at Day Radio. Looking for a way to support Day Radio? How about our vehicle donation program? you have an old car, a truck, a boat, motorcycle, RV, you can donate that vehicle to Mater Day Radio really quick and easy. Just go to our website, click on the Get Involved menu, Vehicle Donation. It'll take you to the main page there. A couple of forms to fill out, and then you are good to go, and a likely tax deduction for you as well. It is Mater Day Radio's Vehicle Donation Program on our website at materdayradio.com or through the Hail Mary media app. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Somewhere deep inside each one of us is a burning desire to finally become the person God created us to be. Amidst our brokenness, disease, and spiritual wounds, Jesus is responding today with transformative love and restoration. Join Dr. Bob Schutz, Bart Schutz, Sister Miriam James Heidland, and the John Paul II Healing Center for Healing the Whole Person and Day of Equipping, hosted by the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon from November 30th through December 2nd at Our Lady of Levang in Happy Valley. Through three days of teaching, worship, prayer, and testimony, you will encounter God in a powerful way, experiencing deeper freedom as the Father speaks to you in the depths of your heart. Learn more about in-person, Spanish, or virtual attendance options by visiting the John Paul II Healing Center online at jpiihealingcenter.org. That's jpiihealingcenter.org. Registration opens August 28th. Mater Day Radio is supported by our Leadership Circle members, including Mount Calvary and Gethsemane Catholic Funeral Services. Operated by the Archdiocese of Portland, services include the recently completed Gethsemane Funeral Home, located on the grounds of Gethsemane Cemetery in Happy Valley. The new funeral home provides burial services to the Catholic community, regardless of cemetery choice. For more information, visit ccpdxor.com. 
Hi, I'm Father Cedric Bezenia. I'm a passionist, religious, and a Catholic priest, and the host of Live With Passion. My motto is touching lives and saving souls. I hope you will tune in each week on Modern Day Radio, Thursdays at 7.30 p.m. It's designed to inspire and encourage you. It's real practical. Talk about real life issues, things that people are going through. I'm so grateful that you're listening to Modern Day Radio. Don't just live, live with passion. It's the cup that refreshes the morning blend on Mater Day Radio. And it is 826 at Mater Day Radio. Oregon's jobless numbers take a dip. We'll have the details in the news. And it started as a temporary appointment in the Archdiocese of Portland Office of Divine Worship. Now a favorite Monsignor is here to stay. I'll have that story for you coming up in news in three minutes. Here is Marie Miller. You make the most of me. And we are David and Brenda on the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. On my own
that is Marie Miller, You Make the Most of Me. It is 8.30 at Matra Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Archdiocese of Portland released a statement yesterday on the permanent placement of Monsignor Gerard O'Connor. It states on Tuesday, the Solemnity of Our Lady's Assumption, Archbishop Alexander Sample signed a letter of incarnation, making Monsignor Gerard O'Connor officially a priest of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. Monsignor O'Connor was ordained on July 22nd, the year 2000, and after a brief assignment on Martha's Vineyard, was sent back to Rome to work for the Holy See as an official of the Congregation of the Clergy. In 2007, he returned to the U.S. and assigned as parochial administrators of St. Anthony's of Padua in New Bedford. Then, pastor at St. Francis Xavier. In September of 2017, Monsignor O'Connor was given on loan to the Archdiocese of Portland for a period of three years, which was extended another three years in 2020. He has served as director of the Office of Divine Worship since 2017, and in 2021 placed as rector of the St. Mary's Cathedral of the Immaculate Conception. Our Archdiocese truly blessed to have Monsignor O'Connor, and they said, continue to pray for him. That's great. I'm really excited about that, because I always had this sense that, yep, his time here was going to be done. We wouldn't be able to have him on Morning Blend uh, anymore, but now, well, it looks like, uh, yeah, I could be able to continue to have wonderful conversations with him. You know where he's originally from? Uh, Not the town, but I mean, with that British accent gives it away a little bit. England. He's from England. (laughs) Of course. All right. There you go. Well, even though it may sound refreshing on these hot summer days, you should avoid recreating in the Willamette River between Ross Island and Cathedral Park, mostly in the downtown Portland area, for the time being anyway. This is because of a large toxic algae bloom, according to the Oregon Health Authority. If ingested, the bacteria in the algae can cause symptoms similar to food poisoning, as well as dizziness, numbness, and shortness of breath. Boating is safe at speeds without excessive spray. Drinking the water is especially dangerous. Children and pets are at particular risk for exposure to the algae toxins because they are more likely to ingest the water. Dog owners are advised to keep a close eye on their pets when they are near the riverbank. State is taking measurements of toxin levels in the river today to determine how long the health advisory should remain in place. A house fire in LeCenter, Washington, is prompting evacuations for those living nearby, according to Clark County Sheriff's Office. As of Wednesday night, the fire officials say it is 5% contained and around 32 acres in size. The Clark Hallett Fire Rescue reported the house fire around 4 p.m. and warned people to stay away from the area near 370th and Jenny Creek Road. Fire officials said the house fire spread to nearby vegetation, prompting road closures. Wednesday night, Battalion Chief Jason Levitt confirmed two structures, the house where the fire began and a barn on the property burned in the fire. There have been no reported injuries. Public alert with a level three go now evacuation notice was previously in place for a radius of more than a mile around the blaze. As of Wednesday night, those zones have shifted. There are also level two B set and level one B ready evacuation warnings surrounding that evacuation zone over much of the area just north of the center. 
Well, Oregon's unemployment rate dropped to 3.4% in July. That's down from 3.5% in June. This was the sixth consecutive monthly drop in the jobless numbers. The July rate equaled Oregon's record low of 3.4%, which was reached in November and December of 2019. So the U.S. unemployment rate was 3.5% in July, which, of course, is very close to Oregon's. Oregon added 6,800 jobs last month, which followed a gain of 5,700 jobs in June. Over the month, job gains were the largest in health care and social assistance, government, professional and business services, and construction. Over the past 12 months, three major industries, health care and social assistance, leisure and hospitality, and government had added nearly all of Oregon's new jobs, with each up to close to 10,000 jobs, while expanding by about 45%. Mount Rainier National Park is reminding visitors how to responsibly visit the park after reports of damage to meadows during the Perced meteor shower. The National Park posted on Facebook Thursday that the Perced meteor shower peak attracted a surge of people to both Sunrise and Paradise visitor areas. The park said it is reviewing reports of damage to the Sunrise Wildflower Meadow that could have been caused by off-trail travel and improper parking. According to the park, subalpine wildflowers have just a few weeks to grow and produce seeds and can be destroyed by off-trail travel. Trample plants may never return and scars on the landscape can take decades to grow back due to the alpine climate. In a Facebook post, the park shared pictures of overfilled trash cans, trampled meadows, cars illegally parked on vegetation along roadways and illegal camping. And in sports, University of Portland women's soccer team has been picked to finish second in the annual West Coast Conference preseason coaches poll with three players named to the all-conference preseason team. That would be Bree Norris, Nadia Sawan, and Callie Togiai. This is the highest the pilots have been picked to finish in the conference since 2014. Their three players on the preseason team are also the most since the same year. Portland had a resurgent 2022 campaign, qualifying for the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2013 and advancing to the second round of the playoffs. The regular season begins tonight for the Pilots, who are in Southern California to take on Cal State Northridge. They then on Sunday, I believe, play at UCLA. So uh, good luck to the Pilots. All right. On Tuesday, we celebrated the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. While tradition states that Mary was assumed into heaven, the Bible refers to three other individuals who may have been assumed by God after their life was completed. The first, Enoch. In the book of Genesis, Enoch is said to have been taken by God. And scripture says this, Enoch walked with God and he was no longer here for God took him. The second is Moses. Now, Moses clearly dies in the book of Deuteronomy, but his body goes missing. And scripture says this. So there in the land of Moab, Moab, Moses, the servant of the Lord, died as the Lord had said, and he was buried in a valley in the land of Moab. To this day, no one knows the place of his burial. Some point to the events of Jesus' transfiguration as evidence that Moses was assumed by God both body and soul. And in the transfiguration, he was with this man, Elijah. 
The prophet Elijah is more clearly taken up by God in a very dramatic fashion. As they walked on, still conversing, it says, a fiery chariot and fiery horses came between the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Similarly, he appears at Jesus' transfiguration and adds the evidence and support that he was assumed by God at the end of his earthly life. While Mary's assumption is not recorded in the Bible, it makes logical sense that Jesus' earthly mother would be united to him in all things, taken up to heaven to be with her son. It's time to find out what's going on in our Catholic community. And on Tuesday at 7 o'clock is Young Catholic Professionals Executive Speaker Series happening at St. Patrick's Catholic Church. Young adults in their 20s and 30s are invited to this event. August speaker is Portland Timber soccer legend Diego Valeri. Come enjoy Diego's talk, free appetizers and drinks, and spiritual reflection. And remember, you can find details on this and other events. Just go to the community calendar, materdayradio.com and the Hail Mary media app. I think I'm going to sneak into that one. You're going to have to put on, yeah, maybe just spray that uh, salt and pepper <laughs> yes. and they'll let you in. I think so. I'm going to have to do that. Hey, Brenda has more with the Echeverias right after the forecast. Support for Matre Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Best Buy in Town Landscape Supply. Since 1984, Best Buy in Town has been supplying the area with landscape products and services, including bark dust blowing, rock, soil, sod, and recycler of yard debris. Located at 2200 Cornelius Pass Road in Hillsboro. Online at bestbuybark.com or 503-645-6665. What do you get when you cross a Catholic radio show host and a permanent deacon? A match made in heaven. I'm Deacon Scott Aiken from the Archdiocese of Seattle. And I'm Brenda Aiken from The Morning Blend. Work and family life can be hectic. We understand, and together we'll find God's grace. We may not always agree. But we are always faithful. Listen on Friday evenings at 7.30 and Sunday evenings at 6 as we share stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. Right here on Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. And it is 8.40 at Mater Day Radio. Well, after four straight days of 100-plus degrees, not going to get there today. At least that's the forecast, a high of 93 under partly sunny skies. Low tonight, 62, and then morning class for Friday becoming Sunday. High of only 80 degrees. Won't that be lovely? That sounds incredibly lovely. You know what also sounds lovely? What's that? 71 degrees right now at Holy Redeemer Catholic Church in Vancouver. And 72 degrees at Holy Redeemer Church in Portland. And I am back on a very special morning. It is all in the family here at Mater Day Radio. Deacon Justin Echeverria is joining us today. And I have a wonderful opportunity to talk to his mother and father to get a parent view of what it's like to have a priest in the family. Now, we had a wonderful conversation in the first half hour, but now well, we're going to get the fun going because the brothers are joining us. Deacon Justin's brother, Derek, joining us from Dallas. Alex joining us from San San Francisco. So we have a full crew this morning. Deacon Justin, thanks so much for getting the family together. I'm glad it worked out. Deacon Justin, you are the oldest in the family. Then your mm -hmm. sister Emily is next in line, who we talked to in our first half hour. And then down the line came Derek and Alex. Mm -hmm. 
was there an age different that made you feel like you are the responsible older brother or did you all kind of get it mixed up when you were growing up together? I think the, the, the clearest one was Alex because I remember most vividly going to the hospital at uh, St. Vincent's Hospital over here and holding him as a baby. I, I must have been maybe eight years old. So that, that with him and I, the, the, the gap is wide enough that there, there's like the big brother, little brother, but almost like a fatherly. Like I look at him still as, even though Alex is no offense, even though he's 23 year old man, he's working. I still see him as kind of a kid only because of the, the age difference. Like, oh, you're my little brother. But at the same time, like, oh, you're, you're becoming your own man. And it's kind of like, oh, he's, and same with Derek too. It's like seeing both of them, like, holy cow, you're, you're, you're both growing up. Like when I went to Derek's apartment in Dallas, I'm like, oh man, this is incredible. My younger brothers who I remember when my mom was pregnant with them are now living their own lives very successfully I might add Derek I asked Emily this question so I want to ask you this question also looking back over the years and of course now we know that Deacon Justin has his vocation in the church did you get that sense that yeah the the Justin had a different call than the rest of us or were you just thrown for a loop when he told the family one day I'm gonna be a priest well, it's actually, honestly, a little bit of both. Um, so when we were growing up and, you know, in the last couple of years, um, I don't know if the rest of the family remembers this, but I kind of uh, talked about Justin as the metaphorical plow of the family. Um, you know, being the first kid, you obviously have to go through everything for the first time in the family. You know, you don't have a roadmap or any of that, any of those type of things. So, you know, Justin was that guy that paved the way for the rest of us to, to be successful. So, you know, kind of in that way, Justin leading by example has always been, you know, at the head of my mind. Um, but when he started talking through his vocation and his calling, um, I was definitely a little bit surprised at first, just because I, you know, was not expecting that. And he's the oldest brother, you know, it was just kind of, kind of shocking from that aspect. But, you know, at the end of the day, Justin has been, one of the most morally upstanding people that I've ever, you know, been with throughout life and a great example for the rest of us. So, you know, after the initial shock, it was just kind of felt pretty natural to me, I would say. Alex, as the, I won't say the baby of the family, but you're the youngest in the family. And Deacon Justin just mentioned about how he took on, came me this older brother, you know, kind of look out for you role. Did you find now that he is a deacon in the church going to become a priest? Has that changed your relationship in that? Do you feel like you've got to be on better behavior, that the things that you found funny before he was a deacon, you feel like you can't cut up or maybe use colorful language in the same way because, well, Deacon Justin is such a holy older brother now. Yeah. Uh, well, first, I will uh, let you know, I don't take any offense to being called the baby of the family. They constantly refer to me as that, especially my mother. So <laughs> there's that. Um I mean, Justin, as an older brother, he was always my, um, always looking out for me. He, I remember vividly him helping pull my teeth when I was losing my teeth when I was really little because uh, I was afraid to do it by myself or afraid to have one of my parents do it. But, I mean, to be honest, um, you know, yes, he's a deacon now of the church, which is awesome. But at the end of the day, Justin, Justin is still my brother, um, and I love him very much, so... Um, 
Are there certain things maybe I won't bring up? Yes, but uh, I think we still keep it as normal as we ever did and still do with each other. Deacon, it sounds like life when you're at the parish has its own requirements and the way that you put yourself forward. But it does feel like in the walls of your household, you are who you've always been. And it's kind of that safe place for you to just maybe take off the collar and take on that role again of Justin. Does Mm -hmm. it feel that way for you? In some ways, yes and no. I mean, because it's like, well, you know, even though I take the collar off, I'm still a... I, I still am an ordained minister of the of the church, but uh, but yeah, it's it's you know like when I went to visit Derek in in Dallas, Texas this this past winter, it wasn't like oh the deacon is coming to make a call. It's like I'm going to visit my brother, and I remember I went to his apartment and he he works for Frito Lay, so it was kind of nice to <laughs> have some of the some of the chips that he wanted me to try, and even like his his girlfriend came over and she had dinner with us. We had some good Texas barbecue and then we watched airplane and we were laughing hysterically or the day after or yeah, the day after ordination and my whole family came to Rome, uh, my siblings uh, minus my sister and brother-in-law, they had to, they had to, they had to split from us, but we went to Assisi and I remember we were going to lunch and Alex cracked a joke of like, so now that you're a, a deacon and we're here, like, are we, are we part of some, you know, are we now a powerful family? Like in the, you know, 500 years ago in the church, you had like the Medici family and the Borgia family. And he, but he had it with like that. Alex has kind of a smirk that like, if I look at him, I'll, I'll start laughing. Sometimes he, he just, he can drop something with a very serious face, but dry humor. It makes me just crack up. And he said that. And I was like, no, Alex, we're not, I'm a deacon. We're actually very poor. <laughs> Uh, if you are just tuning in, we are continuing our conversation with the Echeverria family. Of course, all summer long, Deacon Justin has been joining us on the Morning Blend to just in- give us his insight and thoughts on different aspects of the Catholic faith. But today, well, it is a family affair. The whole family is in. Derek and Alex joining us today, brothers of Deacon Justin. So, Rick. I would love to ask you this. You have these three sons. There is uh, something wonderful about having these boys to support each other. Do you feel like growing up then that you had a responsibility as a father to raise sons in this world to remain strong? Did that, that weigh heavy on you? And were you able to maybe come across in a way that your sons, yeah, kind of maybe tried you from time to time? Oh, they did. They, they, well, they, they always will. You know, my father used to say, one thing you have to get used to is even though your your boys get older, they're still your sons and you still have to guide them. But I have to say, each one of them has brought tremendous joy. Uh, the way they love each other, the way they are willing to talk about each other. And, you know, Emily isn't here, but one of the highlights of our life so far was when she, during her wedding, each of these boys got to get up and do and speak about their sister and just their willingness to express their love, uh, to cry, to laugh. Uh, each one of them is a gift. I find myself that on the trivial stuff, on the day-to-day stuff, I used to sometimes lose it very quickly, but it's in the moments where things are tougher with the boys that I actually find the Holy Spirit most present. And I can tell you of really deep conversations I've had, obviously with Deacon Justin, Derek, we've had a few of them he knows that and also with alex but all out of love and i think you know that's the one thing that just i admire i think lily and i have set the example we 
we each have set the the importance of the role of the father and the mother. We're not debating which role each one plays. I think I had to instill in them the work discipline, the focus, uh, the bring the best of yourself to the world because you're going to make a better place. And I still remember telling Justin that frequently. Uh, the world's going to be better off when you give it your best. And I think all all three boys do that time and time again. I'm incredibly proud of them. I love them. Lily, we were, had an opportunity to have Emily on with us in the first half hour. And we know as a sister and as the only girl in the family, I'm sure she was beautiful and wonderful to raise, unlike boys. <laughs> so I'd love to ask you this one. In your household of boys, who was most likely to come in after curfew? Derek. And who was the son <laughs> most likely to leave uh, dirty dishes where they weren't supposed to be? Alex, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think okay. it was Alex. And then what about the uh, the smelly gym bag and the clothes that came home? Who was the most likely to leave a trail from the front door to where they ended up plopping themselves in the afternoon? I think they all knew that they had to either put it in the laundry or give it to me. I run a very tight, <laughs> lots of rules. They can all say that. Can Would you agree with that, Deacon? Oh, when you walked into the garage of our house, we had this, we had this poster from when we, went to get, when we went to visit Alcatraz in San Francisco, the prison, where it says you are entitled to, I think, food, clothing, and medical assistance. Everything else you get is a privilege. Not that our house is a prison, we, we, but there were, there were rules. Derek and Alex, do you agree? Absolutely. <laughs> Um, Definitely, yes. Uh, it's just wonderful. I've had just the best conversation. It's been wonderful to, to talk it to, uh, to all of you. Before we go, Derek, I did ask uh, your sister the same question. When Dick and Justin came to the family and said, this is going to be my path forward, did you also feel that sense like you became very protective of your older brother, that he'd been always the one that looked after you. But when he made this uh, proclamation of his vocation, do you did you feel a sense that, well, that that this is somebody now that, you know, no matter what the world threw at him, you felt a need to protect and pray for him? I think so. I think in a way we as the siblings kind of have a responsibility to um, not break down the stigmas and the notion, but you know, be clear supporters of what Justin is doing. I think that's extremely, extremely important for us. Um, but in terms of being like a true protector for Justin, you know, I know he can hold his own. Um, but like I said, you know, we're always going to be here for him and defend him when we have to. In today's society, with all the things going on in the media and all that, you know, we definitely have might have a tougher path than than most families, but. You know, so long as we stick together and continue fighting the fight and spreading positivity, we'll be okay. As I said when I opened up our conversation, this is such a rarity to be able to have a whole family in together to talk. And what truly blessed time it is. So, Rick and Lily, thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you both for the gift and the, the offering of your son, uh, Deacon Justin, to the world and to our local community. We're so very happy, and I can tell that you're all very proud. Derek and Alex, thank you so much. I guarantee you when uh, Deacon Justin is ordained, I'm going to be watching to see if you guys try to make him laugh from the congregation while he's up on the <laughs> altar. So thank you all both for your time today, too. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us. Deacon, again, thank you so much for sharing your family. Before we go today, will you end us in a prayer? Absolutely. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you for this time we were able to get together as uh, here in modern day and as a family. Uh, no matter how far away we are from each other physically, we're always together in Christ and in our, in our blood, especially as a biological family. And through the intercession of St. Joseph and our Blessed Mother, I ask you, Lord, that you bestow your blessings on all families, especially in this day and age. Strengthen them, nourish them, and protect them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you all so much for your time today. We appreciate all of it. And for our listeners, if you want to listen to that interview again, please go to our website, materdayradio.com. You can access the podcast. You'll also catch it on the Hail Mary media app. And it is 8.54 at Mater Day Radio. Wonderful interview with the Echeverias. Thank you so much for coming into Mater Day Radios and spending some time with us. And we'll look forward to Deacon Justin. We'll get some reports from him from Italy. I, well, that would be a great thing. All right. We'll be back with Final Forecast right after this. Support for Mater Day Radio comes from our Leadership Circle members, including Dr. Mark Bianco, Family Dentist. Dr. Bianco practices family dentistry in the neighborhood of 122nd Avenue and Stark Street in Southeast Portland. Dr. Bianco Family Dentist, online at biancodentistry.com or 503-252-1722. That's 503-252-1722. Would you like to gain a deeper understanding of the Holy Mass? Hello, this is Terry Ross. Join me on Mater Day Radio each Saturday afternoon at 4 and Sunday afternoon at 2 for the glory of the Mass. Every weekend, we'll explore the rich history of sacred music within the Catholic liturgy. Increase your appreciation for the beauty and sanctity of Catholic sacred music with the glory of the Mass Saturday and Sunday afternoons on Mater Day Radio, the bridge between your faith and everyday life. The Morning Blend. Two hours a day for two times the fun on Mater Day Radio, the station dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary. 8.56 at Mater Day Radio, sunny today, partly sunny at least, and cooler, 93 degrees, your high, mostly cloudy tonight, low of 62, and then becoming sunny on Friday, much, much cooler, a high of 80 85 for Saturday. Currently 72 degrees in the Rose City. And closing our show today, here is Steve Angrazano. May your kingdom come. We are the Morning Blend right here at Mater Day Radio.
That is Steve Agrizano, and may your kingdom come. It's 8.59 at Mater Day Radio. Did you hear him go, woo, right at the end of the song there? No, did he? He did, very I quietly. Was, I thought that was you. That's what I said when I heard it wasn't going to be 100 today. <laughs> I went, woo, woo, very all right. nice. So, hey, thanks for joining the Morning Blend today. David and Brenda with you. Friday tomorrow. You like this week. This is a good week for I'm, you. I'm going to try to get this into my normal schedule. <laughs> right. Four-day weekend, three-day work week. That's how it works. That's great. <laughs> That is going to wrap it up for us on the Morning Blend. Live with passion with Father Cedric this evening at 7.30. we got great programming all day long till then. We hope you have a very blessed day.